from worlds beyond to write at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano Saez. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children. It's a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast where each week Jeff and I reach into a bag of Jaffa cakes and pull out a character that we use tabletop games to help create through the power of raspberry filling. It's it's great. It's here's the thing. Can you please you see, wait, sorry? I, can you please tell people the, what you just told me off mic about Jaffa of course. cakes? Of course, <laughs> our <laughs> listeners are familiar with Jaffa cakes, the delicious German or Germanic sweet. Uh, it's a little soft cake with a thin layer of chocolate on top and a little tiny thin sliver of jam in the middle. They started carrying these at the local Aldi. We picked up uh, two boxes. One box of the orange jam and one box of the raspberry. We picked and picked them up at the same time. We got the orange to try them because orange is sort of the traditional flavor. Uh, we tried the orange and we were like, these are delicious. Let's grab a box of the raspberry so that we can try both flavors and decide which one we like more. So we got the raspberry. We brought them back to the house. We, we had about half a sleeve of, ra- of orange Jaffa cakes left. We uh, mixed them all into a Ziploc bag because we were just like, let's just say save Ziploc bags. We don't need two Ziploc bags for all of the Jaffa cakes. We mix them all together. We each take a bite of the raspberry Jaffa cake. And the thing about them is the orange is like a delightful little treat. You get a little bit of that that sweet orange flavor, a little bit of that kind of savory chocolate. Mm. It's wonderful. It is a wonderful treat. The, the soft cake. Raspberry is a mouthful of, of rotting cough syrup. See, and that's that exact thing is why I wanted to bring up. That's what our show is. Like sometimes you get the orange episodes uh-huh. and they're like a really amazing experience and like, you know, you walk away being like, you know, that was totally worth it. But sometimes you give us your hour and you reach into the grab bag and you don't even get like another Jaffa cake, you just pull out your hand and it's covered in fire ants. That's yep. the comparison to our weaker episodes. But it makes you feel alive. It does. It makes you feel very exhilarated. No, it makes you feel alive. Because the thing is, is that you need you need that danger. You need to live out on that edge. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I'm I'm craving. I'm craving a Jaffa cake. But you know what I'm really craving right now? You know what I am really craving right now? What is it? Some, just to feel something, Aaron. Fuck. To feel something. So you jam your hand into that bag, and you pull it out, and you watch the fire ants bite into your hand, and you just watch it, and you go, ah. <laughs> Some tabletop podcasts, you know exactly what you're going to get every sode. Some chuckle fuck's going to take you on an adventure. They're going to beat up some goblins or villagers or some shit, and then you go home and take a nap. But here on All My Fantasy Children, you never know what you're going to get. This has become a wrestling promo. Madman yeah. Jeff is going to take you on a journey. You're going to feel some shit, and then we're going to give you a verbal hug so tight you're going to feel fucking awesome that's right we're coming for you and this time we're going full force bring me to that this week (laughs) i wanted to do the vince mcmahon bring me to that son of a bitch bring me to him (laughs) (laughs) all right aaron do we have a prompt this week a prompt this week comes to us from our discord kilua dev submits prompt the most prolific gambler slash card player in fantasy and I have a fucking, I, I had an idea, and it's from another idea that someone else said in Discord, and I really want to make it a thing. Now, I, I want to just, this doesn't have to come up in the episode at all, but I do want to share a story about a card player that is close to both of our hearts. Oh, <laughs> wait, no, save it. That's totally going to come all up right. in the episode. All right, we'll save it. We'll le- you leave oh, that in. Oh, yeah, we'll, no. We'll save it. Oh. We're going we're gonna to build to it. There's a story of a card Fuck. player that's close to our hearts that will come up later. Yeah. So, we it, it makes me think. So, there's a character that we haven't talked about in literally two years. And why? Sure. They're fucking dead. Dead. Um, uh, Cold dead. Cold dead, freezing cold. So, Ink Oculi, in our Discord, asked me if wouldn't it be it was like a wouldn't it be cool conversation in our fantasy headcanons channel and it was wouldn't it be cool 
Does this work in the timeline if Callahan Whiskerman was one of the 17 Knights of Dragon? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, oh my God, that would be the dopest shit imaginable. Because it actually makes sense. Because we said in Eliza in the Callahan episode that Callahan Whiskerman like left Dragon and people were after him. Like when he we rolled on a criminal background, we said like people caught up with him and he unfortunately had to like kill them and like fight them off. So, Jeff, this is my initial pitch for you. This is the first thing that came into my head. All right, I'm listening. Callahan Whiskerman went to the Battle of Iron Hill, fought but deserted mid-battle. Okay, One sure. of the other knights went after him, and he fucking killed them in order to escape. Yeah, I'm into that. That's fine, but that works for me. Then he ended up in Purethra Guild and started working at, like, a shop. And Eliza, you know, I don't know if Eliza knows, but we'll get to the bottom. But that's kind of my idea. Is that Callahan Whiskerman... That works. I'm into that. Is, the, what, is Callahan the leader of the 17? Because we said it's Delta, but it could be because Callahan bailed. Hmm. What do you think? Because like, Callahan is now a gambler slash card player is that his power does he use like dice and problem probability and cards or to like fight or are they like tarot cards and he's like yugi or um uh there's a character in this game final fantasy type zero named ace who uses cards to like battle like you draw a card and like you heal your friends if it's a certain one you draw a card and you attack so here's my thoughts okay that was a lot i don't think he is i don't think he is the leader okay. because here here's why what what we know about Delta tells me that they are not a good leader. Mm. We know that they are, you know, they took they took military control of Geode. They were a tyrant. They traveled the world doing terrible things in order to goad John Pierre into killing them. You know, they we know that they are not a good leader. Yes. Like they are in they are an authoritarian like monster of a leader. Mm-hmm. So what that tells me, and and what I think, like, I why I think that makes sense for them to be the leader, is we now have t- at least two stories of people bailing on the Knights of Dragon. Oh, you're fucking, God, that's such good storytelling. <laughs> like, if, if it is literally somebody being like, die, go and die. Like, this is what you were, this is what everything was led for. You know, Nymphaea Lakis is like, listen, you have a duty. Moving like, to Dawnspear. Or Lumina Dawnspear, thank you. Well, has was like, you know, we have a duty, you have a responsibility, like, I might need you to be here. Delta's like, you go and you die, because that is all your life has ever been about. You are a weapon, you are a soldier, and we will and we will die as heroes on that battlefield, or you will die a coward by my blade later. Oh, see, that makes a lot of sense because we said it's the 17 versus like basically a country. Yeah. Like, they're that powerful, but obviously clearly not that powerful. And so, playing off of that idea that this is someone that is willing to be a monster and be hated and be, like, a terrible, terrible person, I kind of like the idea that part of what weakened the 17 Knights oh. of Dragon is that somebody held, is that their leader held on too tight and was too cruel and too, you know, too unrecognizing of their fundamental humanity and was like you know we are here to serve a purpose and we will we will slaughter as many as possible to the point where you know at least two if not more people just fell through their fingertips and Fuck. one of those was cal was the person who would eventually become known as callahan whiskerman because obviously that has to be a uh, pseudonym yes. if, if they are one of the 17 knights of dragon yes of course they have they're they're like no i'm out like i'm not like we like we don't see eye to eye i am leaving but it was like was it mid fight because he has to does he kill another knight i like him i like him being him fleeing mid fight and being and having to strike down another knight why don't we roll on pronouns for the second knight just oh, so we have them on paper dip. up front. I am, that, you're throwing me for a loop, and it's so good. So, Jeff, I turned all my food dice into D6s and new okay. animal ones because I got dice that help you order pizza Yeah, <laughs> and Great. decide what you're good. eating for dinner. So do you want to roll on pizza dice? or Let's roll on dinner dice. Let's, let's see. roll on dinner dice. It's dinner time. It's 6.48 it's dinner so, time. as of this recording. All right. Three pizza. We're having pizza tonight. Pizza, all right. Okay, all right. So she was a knight who uh, Callahan Whiskerman is battling in Iron Hill. You know, he's what does he use as a weapon? Is it gambling related stuff, or is it just like a sword? I don't know if I want to go straight cards. Mm-hmm. 
maybe it's throwing like throwing stars or throwing knives like he's gambit is what you're telling me a little bit okay or bullseye a bullseye bullseye okay so he has like the superhuman uh hand-eye coordination type thing throwing weapons like he could pick up a blade of grass and like throw it through someone i think that's cool as hell Okay, so he's like a master of like darts and throwing things, and I think that's where the gambling comes in, or like yeah. games of chance, like darts and craps. He knows how to throw the bones in order to like you know get the thing that he wants every time. Oh yeah, and I think the other, I think it, it ties into cards because I think like he does that like unbelievably cool like midair shuffle oh, where you just yeah, and you like you have a, but he can literally like do it. And, like, spot cards mid-shuffle and, like, shuffle the cards basically in midair and make it so that he can kind of count cards in a deck of cards. Okay, so this gives me a different image than the Callahan Whiskerman that we're used to. It gives me, like, you know, it basically gives me Remy What is it? Remy, what's his last name? LeBeau? Remy LeBeau? LeBeau. Remy LeBeau. Damn, okay, I'm glad I knew that. So it kind of gives me this idea of someone who's, like, street smart, you know, who goes into seedy places and, like, cheats dice games, like, dirtier Han Solo. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, oddly enough, like, I feel like this really leans into my image of, uh, of Callahan Whiskerman, which was sort of an affable, shrugging goofball. Okay. If he's, like, a, a, a smooth-talking hustler... Kind of having that kind of Matthew McConaughey charm, like, I think suits him nicely. Okay, cool. So we know that he was a Knight of Dragon. And he's, yeah. you know, he's on the battlefield during the Battle of Iron Hill, throwing weapons, dropping soldiers left and right. You know, the things, if there were songs about Callahan Whiskerman, whatever number he is, whatever his name is. Do we have a 13? We don't. We do now. 13. So number 13, what was his? Because there's 17, because otherwise I would have said his number was 21. Oh, that would be dope. But he's 13. So what is his code name? Like, you know, there's, uh, or we might be able to, do you want to figure that out later? Hmm. Like, you know, B-sharp, we have Delta, Headless 7, you know. Actually, what if he's 12, and then then his nickname can be Boxcar? Why, why? What's Boxcar? Because Boxcar is on the dice, is two two sets of six. Okay, that's very good. Okay, so Boxcar is his, like, is his night name. And we have trains in fantasy, so the, the the term boxcar would make sense. Oh, so they call him boxcar. Fuck. Okay. So number twelve, boxcar Callahan Whiskerman is dropping people in the Battle of Iron Hill. What makes him leave? Hmm. Is it he witnesses the true ferocity and mindless killing of Delta? You know, does he run away from Big Jeremy? It can very well be that. Like, instead hmm. of, like, cla- you know, Big Jeremy picks up the glasses, puts them on. We said he obtains, like, crazy power. And you used the phrase, kills all the humans. So he's, like, charging up and, like, you know, crushing knights. Like, you know what I mean? Like, super-powered mm-hmm. people are suddenly being, like, decimated. Some people would probably want to bail. Like, especially someone yeah. who's, like... Something about this story tells me, though, that he's, like... He's kind of in between. Like, he's not really loyal to the knights. Here's my pitch. Jeremy puts on the glasses, you know, is powered up, strikes down one of these superpowered uh, knights of dragon, mm-hmm. strikes one down, just like one blow, takes down a wave of robots. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Fuck, that's dope. And, and, and in response, Delta just literally points at two knights and is like, go now upon him. One of those knights like rushes and then boxcar turns and runs okay because okay because a big thing for me right now i'm playing destiny 2 and they added a character in named the drifter and destiny is pretty much all about if humanity gets decimated by like an alien force you're some people are brought back to life to be immortal like fighting magic people named guardians one guy gets the light he gets brought back to life and he has immortality but he doesn't wield it as like a hero his thing is all about like you gotta survive you know what I mean? Like, he uses mm-hmm. it like, I'm not going to be some, like, hired blade. You know what I mean? I don't believe... He yeah. doesn't believe in this idea of, like, just fighting because someone tells you to and, like, oh, yeah. heroism. He's like, I'm trying to live. Yeah. Because this would lead to, you know, this whole life that he, like, flips, you know what I mean? Trying to, like, be a normal person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's all about just survival. Like, boxcar 
perhaps it's it is number 12 but also like he doesn't hang with the other knights ever he rides the rails he lives a freewheeling life yeah 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 moving he is, from grift to grift he is a people person he is a man of the people is he a man of many faces does he take on other personas like some people I mean, know I, exactly it yeah i mean his name is ba- i mean he becomes bach he, he 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 lives a life as callahan whisker he does and he does at one point inherit the hat of many faces <laughs> So I'm thinking that he's someone where it's like, you know, we have that a lot with the Knights of Dragon where it's like, oh, I knew him as Steve, but he was really Headless Seven. I think that's kind of like a running theme here where like they try oh, yeah. to live a normal life. And because we had said that like Lumina Dawnsphere is like, go, like be, go wander, you know, chase your destiny. And if I call you, come back. They reasonably you couldn't roll into a place and be like hi my name is 12 i am one of the 17 super soldiers of the city of dragon (laughs) right would you like to serve me a beer (laughs) like you have to have like you have to have like a book of identities at that at that yeah it's like it becomes a born movie where you have like 40 different passports you know and like a story for each one and like an expert acting skill to like portray these you you almost have to convince yourself in order to survive that you can become anyone at any time and this is it it's a sad lonely life but he enjoys riding the boxcars gambling you know maybe he has like a gambling hall in the back of in the back of a train This, this is what boxcars claim to fame was if you were a gambler looking for like the ultimate thrill and like prizes beyond your wildest dreams, like the goblet of immortality or like, you know, the flaming blade of Duriel, you know, you can win it from this guy who, if you hop on the train and you ride in the boxcar and you're in that lucky one, it's just like have a seat at the table and you play a game with this person, but the cost would be like your life or your prized possession, or you become like one of his like hired scouts, you know, mm-hmm. like something like that, where he's just this gambling card player because he's the most prolific gambler card player in fantasy, Kilowadev says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it becomes this like number 12 is known for his game of chance, mm-hmm. you know, it is like the ultimate. Like you said, it's the ultimate the ultimate game of chance. It's like risking reaching your hand into that box of Jaffa cakes. He and and I think it is that like <laughs> yeah, I like that that it's not him going from play. I like it not being him for like going from bar to bar. It's the people having to come to him. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's just like, look, I'm I'm too like I'm too good to have to move. You know, what are you willing to bet? What are you willing to lay down, you know, for this prize? Because you see the sort of Daryl and you're like, uh, I have this. And it's like the stone heart of the sea golem. And you're like, damn, that thing's worth a pretty penny. You sure you want to put it up? Does he ever lose? Does he cheat? I don't think he cheats. I think he's just that good. Yeah. I honestly think it's just good. The other reason that I like that he's not seeking out people like like uh, B Sharp was that he other people are going to, to him. Mm-hmm. Is it is it adds an element of sort of laid back humility about it? It's a sense of like I know I'm good. Like I don't need to. I don't need to go. I'm not B sharp. I think I think he particularly didn't get along with B sharp mm. because he didn't. He particularly didn't like the idea of like I'm going to go prove I'm better than you. He was like I know I'm good. I know I'm the best that there's ever been. I'm gonna sit back and let him come to me. And if somebody wants to challenge me, they can challenge me. They know where to find me. Otherwise, I'm going to ride this train. I'm going to smoke my cigar. I'm going to kick my feet up and I'm going to enjoy the ride. If somebody wants to come challenge me to a game, they can come challenge me to a game and I will win. Until then, I'm sitting back and having a great day. What I really like about him clashing with B Sharp, like the social, you know, everywhere, everyone knows him as a different name, but like he makes his presence known, is this makes it kind of like Lumina Dawnspear told the knights, like, go live a life, you know make friends, have families. He was just like, no, you know, I'm going to use my abilities to like, you know, amass what, like in, you know, a treasure trove, you know, he's like basically a treasure hunter slash gambler. Is that the idea? Or, you know, does he live more of a private life than like other ones where he's kind of like an enigmatic figure who rides the rails looking for gambling challenges? I, I'm thinking here, I'm thinking it's not even about the treasure for him. Okay. Like I think he I think he would if you just came to him and was like I have some some wooden nickels. He'd be like lay him down. I'm wagering the flame and sword of Duriel. Mm. We'll see what happens. Okay. Cuz it's just it's it's for him it's about and I think this is part of why he clashes with B sharp. It's more about like 
It's about the thrill of the competition. Okay. Okay. Cool. It's about like I am I am so good that like I'm so good I could give this flaming sword if you beat me, I could give this flaming sword away for a whisper in a dream. I really just want to play I just want to hang out with folks and play car. See what this tells me. Bringing it back to like this character and who they are is he knows kind of like that nothing really matters. You know, yeah. if he knows that he's kind of like he he's a sword in a sheath. He knows it's yeah. going to get pulled out one day, so he's just like, you know, I'm just going to ride these rails and live the life the best way I want to. You know, that, like, nothing matters. Where it's like, I can give you the yeah. flaming sword of Daryl because I know this does not matter. I'm probably going down one day, so I'm going to live it up the best I can. You know, like, yeah. it, they had to have known that, like, they... You know, I, I, I love this idea that we have of these knights because you have to start thinking, like, did they think they were invincible or did they... It said some think they were expendable. And I think mm-hmm. he's in the category of being like, you know, I'm just a tool from some dragon lady. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'll I'll do what's got to be done because I love her and I love this city and I love the world. But like, you know, I know I might go down for this, so I'm just going to live it up while I can. Well, some people were like, we're knights. We're heroes. He's like, I'm just a sword, man. Yeah, he's like, and I think there's sort of a cheerful nihilism about it. Absolutely. It's a sense of like, yeah, none of this matters. I'm, I, my only destiny is to die on a battlefield. So what's even, so what is the, what is the point of going out and, you know, claiming greatness if, if it's all just going to come back when I hear a horn get blown and I have to show up on a battlefield to die? Mm, What's the point? I'm going to sit back. I'm going to kick my feet up. I'm going to have a great time while I can. Because I know that I'm on borrowed time. And it's how he lures people in with this this game of chance. It's like he has people thinking like, oh, my God, the flame is you're just giving it away. And he's like, yeah, I am, because it doesn't really matter much, does it? Mm -hmm. Like he has no need for these things. You know, he can pick up he like I said, he could pick up like a marble and throw it through six people. Like he makes his weapons pretty yeah. much like on the fly. I think he's sort of like a scavenger in that way. Like on the battlefield, he's just like running through the dead of like the wounded, picking up stuff and like whipping it at other people. Oh yeah. So like all this stuff that he has, it's just sitting there. Like he's never going to use it. It's just like what he's willing to way- lay down, and it's how he gets people who are really willing to make like a real wager or like. People who really want to gamble, you know what I mean? They have that fire. He wants the fire in their eyes. He, he, yeah, he doesn't. Again, yeah, he doesn't care about like if you come to him and you're like, "Well, I've got fourteen thousand dollars. I figure the only thing to do with it is gambling." Like he'll play you, but he'll play like, but he'll like knock you out. Like he'll just he'll clean your house. Yeah. But if you come to him and you're like, "I'm certain. I've been training for this moment since I was fourteen. All I have is this rusty old knife." But I am certain if I wager this knife, I can beat you. Okay. That's the person that he's like, yeah, okay. And he like cracks his knuckles and rolls his shoulders and is like, all right, let's do this. Let's have some fun. How did he get to be this way? What happened to him to make him this way? You know what I mean? Is it something he like witnessed when he was like a young knight? You know what mm. I mean? Like before the before Illumina Dawnspear was like, go out and live a life. You guys are ready. You know, I'll call you when you're back. What did he experience to make? Because I'm thinking of this. I'm trying to sometimes slow myself down instead of like wrapping up the story and being like, if this was a character in a tabletop setting or a game and their quest is to just, you know, it's kind of a hard quest to like enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? Like, what does he kind of want out of life and why is he that way? Hmm. I think he, I think personally, he just wants a life away from anything involving combat. Yeah. Being a soldier, because it would lead to why he becomes Callahan Whiskerman. Oh, yeah. He, that's, I, I think it's the same thing. I think he just, I think he was the, he, like you said, he didn't fit in with the other knights because he didn't want any of this. No. All he ever wanted, I think like, and I think that, it adds kind of a tragic beauty to like what he does when he can live his life. Mm-hmm. Cause I think all he ever wants is to kick back his feet and to like, let the day ride by like a box car on a train. Damn. But he has never been given that chance. I can't imagine being one of these people and like living your life constantly, like in the back of your, like you're never present because mm-hmm. you're constantly like, will the horn blow this morning? Yeah. Will it blow tonight? You know, when I'm tucking my children in, will it be like, brrr? so this is a person who's like, nothing even matters. I can't have the life that I want. I'm just going to ride these rails. 
I think that, and I think the other part of it, the thing that I was going to suggest, is I think it has to do with his relationship to who I assume to be the only knight that he gets along with. Who's that? And that is Headless Seven. Oh, okie dokie. A, 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 a jokester, a prankster, a, a goofball, a storyteller. Right? Those are things we established about Headless Seven? Abs- absolutely, yeah. No, like, he is a storyteller. He's silly. You know, when we said he uses that to his advantage to, like, get leverage over people and win in fights where it's like, that's what we, they call, oh, you're, you know, if you'd lose your head if it wasn't attached to you, and then he, like, spears you. Yeah. So, you're absolutely right. Like, he got along with Seven, and those two were, were, were friends. And I think that's part of why he bails is because Headless Seven, the one person that he really trusted to have his back. Because he's like, B-Sharp's not going to have my back. Delta's going to send me to my death. The only person I can count on is the person that actually sees how ridiculous this is. And then that that one person doesn't show. Damn. But, you know, that's sort of the end of that. But I think they have a close friendship that's just very much a, you know, very much kind of a sitting in the back of the class, you know, goofball kind of slacker friendship of like, Whatever. None of this. None of this. This isn't this isn't what's important in the world. But that says a lot about this kind of knight structure, this knighthood that we kind of set up where like the history books see it as like the 17 brave knights of dragon who were unified when in reality it's like people with vastly different worldviews and like cliques. You know what I mean? Like, B-Sharp was probably, like, you know, not well-liked, but didn't go against the grain. And then there were the kids in the back, like Headless 7 and 12, like, just, like, smoking, you know, never doing their homework, fucking around, because they're like, man, would it, would you really think any of this matters? Do you really think we're going to be remembered the way you think we are if we do the things we're supposed to? Because if that's the th- okay, so what we know is that 7 did not show up Seven bail before the like the night before, so that we because we said in B sharp that there's like a campfire scene. Yep. They're all sitting around a fire. They're like seven didn't show. Yeah, that means that that's when twelve learned that. Yep, and is like damn. I think it was a moment of like you can do that. It was something that kind of like shook the foundation because yeah, you would have to think that. Everyone's going to do their part. Everyone, this is a family to them. This is a family. Everyone's going to do their job. If we go down, you know, this is what we were meant to do. What? Wait, you didn't, he didn't show? He's not even here? Uh, so I think he's on the battlefield and something is kind of tugging at him this whole time of like, what is Seven doing? Is Seven out there like opening a bakery? Is Seven riding the rails? You know, why can't I be doing that? And I think once he sees that one night rush to Jeremy and get like crushed, He's just like, the same for me, kids. And what, he just like scrambles away? Or is he wounded and scrambles away? You know what I mean? Is it that moment where there's like flaming wreckage, two knights are wounded, and one is crawling away from the battlefield, and the other's like, where the hell do you think you're going? Yeah, that's cool. I'm into that. They're like, I'm getting out of here. I'm not dying like one of you. And it's like, stand and fight, uh, stand and fight, boxcar. You know, it stands and faces number three, and they they clash, and he you know he has to kill number three to get away. Yeah, and I think that's what leads him to like you know wounded escapes to like you know wanders and wanders, finds the haunted forest, pushes through it, stumbles into fucking Purethra Guild, is like you know living on the streets, struggling, you know just trying to lay low while his wounds heal because they'd be like tremendous. And then finally, when he's like, I need a crust of bread, I got like, you know, because he's in survival mode. He's a soldier. Uh-huh. He's like, I need a crust of bread. I got to And then the first thing he sees is a tiny plant alchemy shop. And he like, you know, knocks on the door and he like, you know, Elizas opens the door. And it's like, what? And he's like, all of a sudden, like different face, different everything. Like, hey, I'm just in a rough place and I need a job. You know, for him, I thought it, I think it would be a temporary gig. Yeah, I like don't this, think he intended to stay. I think this was this was just the next stop, and then he realized that world thought he was dead. Yeah, yeah. When he learned what happened, you know, Eliza probably told him like it's a real shame what happened over there at Iron Hill. Like a lot of people died. Blah blah. blah. He's like, how many? Well, they said all of them. Oh, and you know, like we said, he just works in the shop. You know, he's just in. He, I think that's why does he start being honest? Like, why does he, as a in a turn of phrase, why does he go straight? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's like a grifter. He's like a soldier. Why does he just become the shopkeep? Is it Eliza? It can be Eliza. I think it's gotta be. I think it's gotta be Eliza. And it, and as for lack of a better term, romantic as it is, I think it's it's 
the realest love is to say, look, I, I have to tell you the truth of who I am. Oh, and I, fuck. I have so to she like, knows. I think she, I think she knows. She's got to know. She's got to know. They, they were together for so long. I think that they have to know. And we said, ooh, you said something that uh, in the Eliza episode, I don't know why these things are tattooed in my brain, and but thank God. Um, you said that, like, you know, they they kind of, like, hang out during the day. You know, they work the shifts together. They don't really talk. But then one night they're, like, working late and they kind of get to talking and they stay up all night and they realize, like, I have feelings for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're, we're co-workers and you've helped me get on my feet. You've given me a place to live, you know, and then they fall in like deeply in love. And I think that's when he's like, you know, I got to keep it real with you. I'm a fucking, you know, I've done some horrific things. Yeah. But I mean, storytelling wise, do you like the fact that she's fine with that? Is that a lifetime ago at this point? Has he changed? You know what I mean? Like, Mm. is it that kind of, that's the hard part that I always find in romantic stories is when someone finds out like, I've done awful things. The other person's like, it's okay. I love you anyway. Or is there a part of her that's always like, you know, tell me, is she like, tell me everything then? Because, you know, like Eliza's not like a fucking puny shopkeeper. Right. You know what I mean? Like, she's she's pretty fucking good at every... She's a ranger. Yeah. You know, so she, like, you know, grips him by the throat and puts him against the wall. And she's like, you're a knight of dragon? You assaulted Iron Hill. And he's like, whoa, whoa, we did nothing of the sort. You know, that's the way history might tell it, but that's not how it went. You know, and yeah. I think through telling the story of, like, I was born... I was created, basically, to do one thing. I went and did it. And I tried to change. I tried to flee. And this is how I ended up. Damn. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I, I like that it's like, you know, tell me everything and she hears the full story and that's part of what like causes those feelings, right? Is he Yeah. Is is she's she has a picture and he's like, No, you don't understand and he opens up to he he really truly opens up and shows like real vulnerability and like suddenly it's it 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 paints him in a different light. It presents him as someone hurt and scared and who has gone out and said that nothing matters because he's afraid of what will happen if he tries to be at home anywhere. Yeah, we we said, like, he knows that he's probably just going to die. So he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to live my life doing nothing. I'm just going to, like, float. I'm just going to ride these rails and, like, glide through nothingness. You know, and, like, never set up roots, never get to know anyone. And I, I, I know it is that trope of, like, until I met you. But I think... This is the conflict, I think, then, because can I can I pitch you something? Yeah. This conversation is happening. Eliza is like, you sit right over there. And she's like pacing back and forth, listening to this story. And they're arguing and they're fighting about like, but you went to battle. Like, you could have skipped. And he's like, you don't understand. You can't just bail on the 17. Like, Headless 7 bailed. God only knows if he's alive or if another knight was hunted down. He's like, I had to kill one of my own to even get here. You know, like the things that I've done to try to get away from this, you know, this destiny of mine for death. Mm -hmm. I think that's when Eliza's parents who own the store heard it, heard like the, you know, this disagreement because we said that Eliza's parents turned him into a cat. Yeah. So I think that's when it happens. So I don't think that this was, do you think this was resolved before they left on their journey? No, I think that, no, I don't think so. You know, because we pitched this love story that, like, they got kicked out because he was a human and blah, 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 blah. But what if it's just because, like, he's a dick? Like, he, he, they heard him yelling and, like, they heard him not being the most polite and saying things about, like, how I've killed people. And so they rolled up and she's like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to hear him out. I want to keep him around the shop. And they were like, oh, you want to be this Whiskerman so bad? Bam, he's a cat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think I wanted to take a twist on that story instead of it being about like, oh, yeah. he's a human and I don't like that. I like the idea that it's 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 that he's not good. Like, he's not great. But also, you know, really twisting that knife. I think they hear him like talking about how he was one of the 17 and they're like, good God. Like, you like all that you've done and they don't hear him when he says like, no, you don't understand. And they're like, we do. We saw what you did. Damn. We, we we know like we we know the story of the night the 17 nights and for you to then, you know, so it's 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 not it's a you were you are this person that was not that you have lied to us for the entire time that we've known you. And B, you are that person. And Damn. C, for you to be here means that you had to leave. 
And so, like, them understanding the full scope of it and then just striking him down with magic and turning him into a cat. Okay. So this adds a new element that we have to do in terms of changing the story a little bit. Fudging the canon, we'll say. Because it's a two-year-old story and we didn't have a full world yet. Yeah. So why do they go into the haunted forest then? Why do they go in search of something? Because they're not dating. We said that, that there's no resolution yet. They're not, like, in love yet. Like, the, he, she had feelings for him, but she was, like, betrayed. Like, you're not even the person that I was developing feelings for. And he's like, I am. I swear to God. Like, th- th- you know what I mean? It's a mess. This is a fucking high school shit show of a conflict. Like, if I can be completely honest, like, in Storyland, I'd be like, oh, this is ripe for, what's it called? Um, This is, like, some Riverdale shit where he's, like, a bad person who's, like, who lied. Like, he lied. I think that they go into the forest because she feels... I think she's conflicted. I think that she's like, I can't just leave you as a cat. And also, you might be the person, like, you might not be lying to me about being the person that I'm developing feelings for. And I kind of have to see that out. Like, I have to at least know. And if the only way that I'm going to know is by turning you back into a person. If the And if the only way, and if if, if you aren't the person that I thought you were then at least I can make right, I can make this right, turn you into a person, and then just, and then send you on your way. But I can't leave you like this. No. She's like, I I don't think it's right to leave you like this. And if I go with you, there's a chance that you will prove one way or another whether you were the person that I thought you were. Mm, Okay. Because I don't want this to become like, Eliza falls in love with like, the worst person alive. Because like, I, I have to stress that, like, he's not a bad person. Yeah. He did lie. And he has done things to get where he is that are, like, bad. You know, he murdered one of his own. But it's only because, like, he kind of had to. And right. In his opinion, from his worldview, like, he had to do these things in order to, like, escape from this fucking destiny of just death. Like, he saw so many of his companions, like, die for, like, at, for him, he's, in his opinion, he's, like, for nothing. For nothing. You know, he was dropping people on the battlefield just like, what am I even doing? Yeah. Like, I think it's the first time he actually fought, like, used his abilities against other people. And he's like, I don't like how this this sucks. I don't like how this feels. You know, but he had to live. Like we said, he's all about surviving. And he's like, and if I'm going to survive, I have to do some shit sometimes. He bailed. And then in this case, like, in order to get what he wants in this, which is Eliza, he came clean and was like, you know, I, I did terrible things to be here, and I lied to you, and I'm sorry. Right. You know, but then, you know, when they were working it out, her parents rolled up and were like, mm-mm, heard you're a night of dragon, poof. Yeah. And so, really, like, the, the thing that I want to emphasize here is their story through the haunted wood, I think it adds an element of romance. I think it becomes more romantic because it is two people learning to accept each other for who they are. One person learning to accept that, like... For all for all that someone has done wrong, they can still be the person that you fell in love with. And the other person realizing, I don't have to be defined by those things that I did. And, like, learning to let go of that sense of, I am a hired gun and nothing matters. And learning to be vulnerable and scared. And learning to invest. So it's both of them growing together as they... And I think that's when they fall in love. Mm. And that's when when he is finally turned back into a human with the hat of many faces. They finally do, like, commit to each other because it's, oh, you were the person that I thought you were. And it's, oh, I can be the person that you see me as. Yeah, I can. I am that person. You know what I mean? Like, he's been stripped down to nothingness. He's a fucking cat. You know, he was only known for, like, his abilities and what he can do, not, like, the person that he was. And so as a cat, like, I have the image of them, like, spending, like, two years in the fucking forest. But, like, the first year, they, like, don't talk. Yeah. It's just, like, surviving. Like, Eliza, we said in the first episode that, like, one of her ranger gear is, like, a piece of paper that says, like, there's a power in the forest, blah, 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 blah. So, like, they set out looking for whatever. And, like, for a long time, she's just like, come on, Callahan, come on. It's not, like, buddy-buddy. It's just, like, them kind of looking out for each other in, like, an adventuring party in complete silence, sort of, like, animosity and tension because they never got to resolve anything. Yeah. It's, it's, come on, come on, Callahan. No, I need to scratch this. You, you, come on. 
Okay, so I definitely, I like this story a lot. I like the fact that Callahan has become kind of, over time, the person he's, he's become Callahan Whiskerman. Yeah, he you know stops I mean? being Boxcar, he stops being Boxcar and starts being, like, Boxcar died when he turned into a cat. Yeah. Or rather, Boxcar died when he, Boxcar died at Iron Hill. Yeah, he died at Iron Hill, and that, and, when he came to, in, like, this smoldering debris and had to strike down his, like, companion that's when boxcar died yeah and callahan whiskerman you know for all his past is not a like is exactly who he says he is he is a a kind-hearted goofball slacker who really just wants to be happy and relax damn and it's and it's it's letting go of that letting go of that trauma and that nihilism and learning to be someone better putting in putting in the work to be someone better Owning the fact that you fucked up, owning the fact that he's done a terrible thing, and putting in the work and saying, you don't have to accept me. Like, if 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 at the end of this you want to kick me to the curb, I will walk away and I will start a new life as Callahan Whiskerman somewhere else. But it's putting in the work, it's saying, I fucked up, I own it, and I will work, I will make, I will put in the work to make it right without expecting reward, and being well being accepted for that and eventually earning that forgiveness and that love the idea that like she fixes him and stuff like that that is something i i I, i'm glad we stay away from because it's very much just like she wants him to be a person again like she likes callahan whiskerman yeah you know she understands that this was like this is a mature relationship where it's like she understood after like a full complete day of talking it out and fighting and like you know just talking about who these people are and when their wants and needs she's like i get it that was a lifetime ago you know boxcar is dead and i know you as callahan whiskerman and like you know this trust will have to be earned on like you know over time i'm not just gonna give it to you yeah and he's like you know i'll do i'll give everything i have to make this like about you like it's not about me i know that i'm callahan whiskerman and i'll spend the rest of my life proving to you that i'm worthy of your time and energy you know, and it doesn't take long because he's not a piece of shit. Yeah, I, I I, don't see this as her fixing him. I see this as him putting in the work and her just kind of seeing that. Like, I see this at the end of the, at the end of the story. I think that she see like she sees him as the person that he has said he was all along. I don't see this as I don't think she is doing anything to fix him because I think I think I think I think that it is the story of him like proving himself to her and sort of him putting in the again, it's him putting in the work without expecting reward. And, you know, ultimately, those the two of them falling for each other in those quiet moments where, you know, in those quiet moments shared together, it is her her going, yeah, okay, he is he is someone who has grown and is maybe worthy of. Maybe, you know, maybe not like, they don't maybe like immediately are like, all right, we'll be together forever. But she's like, I will give it, I'll give this a chance. Yeah. Like we we'll can, see where we this can goes. keep this journey going. You're like, you're still my traveling companion. Like that's not going to change. Yeah. And then over time it becomes a romantic love. Yeah. Especially because he's hot, you know, when he puts the hat on. Yeah. But anyway, do you want to roll on tables or something? I'm like, did we just tell a actual love story on this show? Yeah. And like a very complicated, like not perfect one, like. Sorry if you wanted a fantasy love story, but this one was rough. No, it's two. It's two people learning to learning to be together. Damn, we got the gambler background. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> you will roll tables, and then I have two quick closing notes. Okay, cool. Um, roll me a d8 for personality trait. Shaboom, five. It's not about the money for me. I give away everything. I win. Okay. I think that. So what I think it is is. Again, we said I said that I have I have something for this if that's okay. Yeah, of course. No, I talked for a while. I think what this is is he's got the flaming sword of Duriel. And if you come to him and you're like, "I've got $35,000. I will wager it against that flaming sword." He's like, "No, I'm good. Thanks. Find somebody find somebody find somebody else to 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 blow your money on." But if you come to him and you're like, "I have this rusty dagger. I have trained for 2 years." I, I've done, this is, I have found this trolley, like, I have, I have walked here, I am going to challenge you, and I'm going to win. He's like, alright, put your, put your knife on the table. Flaming sword on the table. You play, he wins, and it's, alright, you can have the sword, it doesn't, it, it, I, it, I don't need it. None it doesn't matter. Nothing matters to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it, it is something that, that follows him forever, until he finds something that actually does matter. Yeah. 
and it's like a normal life like what he would have thought before is like mundane working in a shop hanging out with this person who you can like laugh with yeah it's it's a cool thing give me a d6 for an ideal right um pizza topping d6 go we're having sausage on that pizza one risk nothing is worth doing if it's a sure thing oh god i'd love this like it's it's hard for him i think to find like excitement like you know he just looks for excitement because he's like might as well make the day like you know have some thrills in it you know we're on we're on borrowed time may as well make it worth it exactly and it makes me think that like he kind of had maybe a short stint as like wanting to be a hero like perhaps when he was younger and then Mm -hmm. was like this is not for me yeah. Like the whole like, yeah, do it for the risk. I'll dive into that like, you know, worm pit and like fight off a giant beast. But then he's like, this is still like, I'm, I'm not a tool for annihilation. Yep. Give me a D6 for a bond. All right. This is vegetable pizza topping. So, so far we got sausage. Now we got it's a sausage and mushroom pizza. One again. Uh, I owe a lot of money to the wrong kind of people. Hmm. We said that like he doesn't know that all the knights are dead. Yeah. And so he constantly has to kind of look over his shoulder. Yep. The entire time he's in the forest, the entire time that they're like journeying to the north. Yep. Like he constantly has this fear of like the things I did. You mm-hmm. know, do other people know that I dropped number three? Yep. You know, when people find her body, like, are they going to see like the blade of grass stuck in her heart and yep. they're going to know that it was me? Like, there's a part of him constantly that kind of tugs that's always like, you know, you'll always be boxcar, and I think it's because he's always worried that people are looking for him. I'm going to break the rules a little bit. Okay. And also throw in number two off of this list. Oh, shit. Because there's a little detail that I want to throw in, which is that my greatest opponent is my best friend, and we always know when the other is lying. Eliza's the only person that can beat him in cards. Oh. <laughs> Eliza's the only person that can beat him in a game of cards. And it's legitimately because she's just like... Yeah, your nose your nose gets scruffy when you're bluffing. And he's like, No, it doesn't. Like I've watched myself in the mirror for she's like, Well it does it does when you're bluffing to me. And her ranger eyes, she's like, I saw that sleight of hand trick. Yeah. I saw when you slipped that, like I saw when your eyes darted to the one card that you were counting. So I know exactly which one you have your eyes on. Yep. And he's like, What? Damn it, she's like, Flame and sword, please. <laughs> Alright, give me D six for a flaw. All right. Um, and where is it? Sorry. And finally, Animal D six go. Three frog. Everyone has a price. Mine happens to be pretty low. <laughs> what the fuck is that? He just does shit for free. Yeah, he just does it for fun. Like he'll he'll go to it. He'll be like, "What's it worth to you?" No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm do it. It's fine. I did just. I'm I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to have a good time. Okay. Can I give you two quick notes? No, you can give me all the fucking notes you want. Because I got two quick notes. I love these fucking knight characters so much. So I'm about it. Two notes, quick. Seven and twelve. They hooked up by pride. Other note. Seven is going to face a monster. Or whatever, or he's going to face this monster, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to stare down this life or death circumstance on behalf of this tiny little town of people that he cares about. Or he's, I think he's about to leave and let this monster, let the monster in this mountain, like, destroy this town. Mm-hmm. You know, not knowing that it's all a myth and blah, 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 blah. He's making the decision whether or not to bail. And he's like, I have, to, I have to go. It's my responsibility to the Knights of Dragon. I truly believe in this cause. I can't, I can't leave. They need me. No, it's what Boxcar always said. Nothing matters. So if none of this matters, I may as well stay here and do right by these people that I care about, that are, they, they took me in. I may as well be a hero this one time because that Battle of Iron Hill doesn't matter. 12 was right this whole time. I may as well just go be a hero. Damn. So just just as 7, just as 7 inspired 12, 12 inspired 7 to to step up and be a hero when the time was right. I love that. I think there wasn't a day that went by in 12's life that Callahan like would walk, you know, when he was walking and ended up in mm-hmm. Pure Girl, when he was walking through the forest, anyone that they passed, like a hiker or an adventurer, he would study their face and be like, "Is it him?" Mm-hmm. Is it? No, it's not. Do they? They never see each other again. I don't do think they? they ever see each other again. No, but I think both of them are kind of. Do you think? I think something in Seven knows that he might be alive. Oh yeah, I think the two of them kind of kind of have an inkling. Yeah, 
I think I think seven. I think for seven, it's less like I think he's out there somewhere. More, it's like I bet that motherfucker got out. There's no way he could have died. He was such an asshole. He would. I bet he ran I'm, away. <laughs> I bet he. I bet he snuck out. That's son of a. <laughs> Also, I do want to clarify point one. I think they hooked up once. <laughs> just one time wasn't great. I think they just hooked up once. I think it was a very much just like, let's let's give it a shot. <laughs> let's wing this. Not really for us. That's fine. That's it was fun. Fine. They had fun with it. They yeah. just realized they're like, eh, it's not for us. They're better off as just like, what is their relationship? Just like buds? I think they hooked up. I think they were they're close they're close friends. They hooked up once just to see if it was if there was something there, and then they were like, no. Yeah, it's pretty much just friendship. Friendship, friends, friends, and then they, like, shook hands. <laughs> and just walked in different directions. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, all right, well, we gave it a shot. Adios. <laughs> Dinner later? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, sure, I'll hit you up. And that's a wrap. Wow, that is a wrap on the tale of Callahan Whiskerman 12, Boxcar. Jesus Christ. I First of all, I have to say, I like Eliza so much more now that she's just like, a level 99 ranger trudging through the haunted forest being like, here's this fucking hat. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I found it. Put it on. You better not be an asshole. I promise yeah. I'm not. All right, good. You're the other person I like. All right, cool. You'll stick yeah. around for a little longer. You know, she took a risk. She yeah. took a risk on him and it paid off. You know, she knew deep down that this guy was like, you know, he was that, you know, you never know. You never know fucking well, for people sure. like that. For sure. And it's like, I like that that is kind of the way that their love story has gone in this because it was cute and it was great of like Eliza and them. But I like that the initial way we told it was like the myth version where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, she said, oh, you're bad and get out of here. And she's like, well, I'm going to go fix my boyfriend. I'm going to turn him into a human again. When in reality, she's like, I got to do something. I can't just fucking leave you like this. You're a helpless cat. Like, you're not even good at being a cat. Yeah. You know, come on. I, I have a, I, I heard there's a legend of the forest. Come with me. I found this paper from, says it's from a, it's a journal from a guy named Sprouts or something. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It has so many emojis handwritten in it. <laughs> I love this. It includes a, le- a, a recipe for barley lemonade that doesn't sound right doesn't sound good at all but <laughs> my god there's so many ingredients <laughs> jesus christ it's like this it's like a, the piece of paper is very small eliza opens it up and is like okay this when my parents moved into the shop by the way sorry junior wizards but we're talking when my parents moved into the shop we found this like old trunk and we opened it up and all it was full of was like choco slippers and socks choco sandals and socks <laughs> You know, button downs, khaki shorts, and beekeeper hats. But then there was this tiny piece of paper that said, my greatest treasure. And when I opened it, it was like a 10-foot long scroll. The top said, go into the glade in the clearing and you'll find my greatest treasure. And also, here's my secret treasure, the best barley tea you'll ever have. Barley lemonade you'll ever drink. And it's it's taking a cue from real life. The barley lemonade recipe is written like those insufferable food blogs. Oh. So there's like 2,000 words of like, I was walking in the woods. Boy, howdy. I, <laughs> I, I, the, so, the way this is, and it just, it good. You're like, just get to the recipe. Question for you. Yes. Why, why besides I liked the guy I hung out with, why did she still hang out with him in the forest? Besides just like blind love. Like, is he fun? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, he's 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 charming. He's I mean, he's real tricky. Like he's clever and, you know, can can get you out of a scrape like he is. And also she's yeah, she he's he's fun and he's clever and he's he's tricky and he's a pretty great traveling companion even without his magical throwing abilities. Yeah, like I think he's always got a good story and he's his worldview is like very interesting cuz she's yeah. like we said she is a dork ranger from purethra guild and he's like i was born to be a weapon she's like jesus christ yeah he's At also least a, he's also fascinating yeah like he's great for keeping company he's a very interesting person and i think like that adds to the 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 falling in love is if there's just a natural chemistry there they just like talking to each other yeah they just get along she's like she's she's she has that distrust and she's like i don't i don't believe like i don't know if you're the person that you say you are but i kind of want you to be yeah absolutely. because you're fun and charming and you were really hot and i'm will like that's all part of it and that's perfectly valid that that's all part of it because that's part of love is like 
is like is like i don't know if i trust you i don't know if i'm ready to give myself to you and be vulnerable but we're having fun and i like you and maybe that's enough for a little while damn that's very good jesus christ it's a very real it's a very real to me this is a very real picture of two kind of flawed people fall like coming to grow together it it is a very complicated and like sort of honest love story that like you know shit happened in these people's lives and they have to learn to like you know they don't ever get over it and they don't ever get but together they get through things yes you know and i think that's it it's a cool thing about this tale that led to what like probably one of the greatest heroes of all time being born yep cool fuck good good episode good Good rap episode wow thank you so much killua dev for your prompt jesus Kilowadev posted that prompt in our Discord channel in the prompt submission channel. So if you have any ideas and you don't want to use Twitter anymore, you can just spam away that Discord channel. Um, if you'd like to submit a prompt of your show, there are a gajillion ways you can do it. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. Or you can go to allmyfantasychildren.com. Yeah, while you're there, check out our Discord, our wiki, our uh, band camp, where you can find all the music, all sorts of stuff. Just go browse around the website. It's a neat thing. Um, while you're on the internet and you have your headphones on or you're like at a beach listening to podcasts like cool teens do, why not put on uh, Jeff's other podcast? Party of One is an actual play focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, uh, I sit down with a friend. We play a two-player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. Uh, new episodes drop every Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com. Um, all My Fantasy Children is proud to be part of the One Shot Podcast Network. If you like really intelligent conversations about gaming and honesty about representation and, you know, the industry as a whole and how certain cultures and, like, uh, marginalized people are perceived and how, like, people can come together and unify and be powerful in a setting that usually isn't unifying, you need to listen to fucking Asians represent. Y'all, yeah. this show is the fucking most bomb, like, keeping it real talk. I fucking... It's incredible. It's it is so in, good. It is, it is capital I important. It yes. is something that I can't recommend you listen to enough. And let me read the blurb because it's it does yeah. better than I could ever in a million years. I don't know. I think that was pretty good. But yes, please read the official please read the <laughs> official blurb. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join the hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other to the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. It's so good if it's you really enjoy good. like really well-informed people discussing mm-hmm. real shit and being honest and the developing this lovely fucking level of like it's okay to say yeah. things about things that are fucked up because mm-hmm. we're a- a- we're actively working against them and making them better just by like showing that we exist in this space. It yep. is the show for you. Go fucking binge it. I did best decision ever. It's great. Segment from last episode, Jeff. Real quick, what are you listening to? What other podcasts are you listening to? Oh gosh, I had one, and I'm trying to remember what it was that I was gonna suggest. Um, oh, I have a, a recommendation. It is not a podcast, but I have been uh, I have been really watching a lot of YouTube videos lately. Oh um, yeah, smart, smart, smart. There's a lot of great YouTube videos out there. The two people that I want to plug: one is in tabletop, and one is not. Um, in within the world of tabletop, Brandon Leon Gambetta has been doing some wonderful work within tabletop, like building a tabletop space in YouTube, covering a lot of interesting topics about mask and tabletop design. And outside of which, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Kate Nix, who is a performer and a costume designer for professional wrestling, uh, is doing, has done a lot of great videos on burlesque and performance and professional wrestling. And I recommend both of these channels enough. Uh, I can't recommend them either, either one of them enough. Dope. Very good. Very good. Um, verbal hug this week. Tell someone you love them. Yeah. Mean it. Yeah. Tell someone, tell, be genuine, you know, but tell someone that, tell someone that you love them. Put it out there in the world, you know, share that feeling with someone because I think it's really important and we don't do it enough. And I yeah. know we say that a lot, but I think it's, Never not valid to say it. 
In this world where it's really easy to get caught up in the boxcar mentality of like nothing matters, so fuck it. It's really yeah. easy to have that mindset anymore because you're like, you know, it's it's easy. It's really you can really fall into a low tide quickly these days. And so it's easy to develop a mentality of like, fuck it, nothing matters. But like it does. You matter. Yeah. The things you do matter. The, your your feelings and the, your love and your compassion, they matter. They have, you know, those ripples make waves out in the world and people feel it. So like Jeff said, take a second to tell someone you love them, tell them whatever you got to do, because everything does matter. There is not a psych like a cycle of pain surrounding you. You know, you your existence is important and your feelings yeah. are important. So voice them for sure. Damn. Um, is that it? Fuck. I think that's a wrap. We, we are getting deep this episode. We got into it this episode. Fuck. All right. And on that note, good night. Good, night. good, good game. game.